Hare Krishna. Good morning to everyone. Whether you're here in the temple building with us or whether you're listening in online or by telephone or by radio. If you're close around the neighborhood here, within about a thousand feet or so, you can uh, dial into 87.5 FM and hear what's going on in the temple room. My name is Rupanugadas. And it's such a wonderful, amazing thing to be back here in the temple room again after a year. Has it been that long, Chaitanya Chandrabhu? For those of you who have your Srimad Bhagavatams handy, we're, we're reading from the first canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam, chapter 6. And today we'll be talking a little bit about text number 20. Narada Muni is speaking to Srila Vyasadeva and giving him some encouragement. And also at this particular moment in the conversation, he is telling Srila Vyasadeva how he came to be where he is, both spiritually and, uh, and physically. So I'm very glad all of you have chosen to join us. Subhuti Rai Prabhu is here. Hare Krishna. Before we begin, I'm, I'm having to remember the order in which things are done. So I think we have, we're singing Jai Radha Madhava as an invocation to the Supreme Lord to please come and be with us and bless us. So, repeat with me, please. Jaya Radha Madhava Kunjabi Hari Jaya Radha Madhava Kunjabi Jai Gopi Chandavala Bhagiri Vardhari Jai Gopi Chandavala Bhagiri Vardhari Asudanandana Brajajana Ranjana Asudanandana Brajajana Ranjana Asudanandana Brajajana Ranjana Jamuna Tiravana Chari Jamuna Tiravana Chari Jai Radha Madhava Kunjabi Hari 
Jai Radha Madhava Sunjabi Hare Jai Gaur Premananda Hari Hari Bhavan Jai Om Vishnipad Paramahansa Paripitaka Charja Hasto Tarasitashi Shimada's Divine Loving Grace Abhaya Charnaravinda Bhaktivinata Swami Maharaj Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai Om Vishnupada Paramahansa Parivijaka Charja Hasto Tarasata Sri Srimada's Divine Grace Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Gosami Maharaj Srila Prabhupada Ki Ananta Koti Vaishnavrinda Ki Iskan Bibiti Vandra Charja Srila Prabhupada Ki Iskan Guru Parambara Ki Shri Rupa Shri Sanatan Bhatta Raghunath Shri Jeeva Gopal Bhatta Dasa Raghunath Sat Goswami Prabhu Ki Namacharya Srila Haridas Dakur Ki Premzikaho Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhar Shri Vasari Gora Bhakta Rinda Ki Shri Shri Radha Krishna Gopa Gopinath Shamukun Radhakun Girigovardhan Ki Shri Vrindavandam Ki Shri Mathura Dhamma Ki, Shri Mayapunabhudvita Dhamma Ki, Shri Jagannath Puri Dhamma Ki, Shri Shri Radha Kalachanji Dhamma Ki, Ganga Devi Ki, Jamunamaya Ki, Tulsi Devi Ki, Bhakti Devi Ki, Samaveda Bhakta Rinda Ki, Brihat Madanga Transcendental Book and Prashadam Distribution Ki, Nutai Gora Premananda. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the Assembled Devotees. All glories to the Assembled Devotees. All glories, all glories, all glories to Sri Guru and Sri Gauranga. Namon Vishnipadaya Krishna Vistaya Vitale Shemati Bhakti Vedanta Swaminiti Namane Namaste Sarasvati Devi Gauravani Vichani Nivisheshe Shinivani Vishyatudeshinani. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Narayanam Namaskritya Naram Chaivanurottamam Devim Saraswatim Yasan Tato Jayam Udirayat Nasta Prishva Badrishu Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya Bhagavati Uttama Shloke Bhaktir Bhavari Naistiki Gantarashimud Bhagavatam Kijai Shilabhyasadev Kijai Once again we're reading from the first canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam and we're into chapter 6 text number 20 So if you have your Srimad Bhagavatams close or if you're looking online at vedabase.com I-O, whatever that is, or dot com, 
then you can find, it, find the text there and read along with us. First, we'll repeat word for word the transliteration. Evam, yatantam, bijane, mam, ahagocharo, giram, gambira, slakshnaya vacha, sucha, Prashamayan Eva. Let's see. We don't have the text on the board, so I, I will attempt to chant this in the in the rhythm and the tune that we usually sing. Evam yatantam vijane mamahagat gocharo giram gambira slakshnaya vacha. Shucha prasya mayan eva. The translations now, word for word. Evam, thus. Yatantam, one who is engaged in attempting. Vijani, in that lonely place. Mam, unto me. Aha, said. Agochara, beyond the range of physical sound. Giram, utterances. Gambira, grave. Shalakshnaya, pleasing to hear. Bacha, words. Shucha, grief. Prashamayan, Prashamayan, mitigating, Eva, like. Translation by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Maharaj, Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. Seeing, this is Narada Muni speaking uh, once again to Srila Vyasadeva. He's telling something, telling Srila Vyasadeva something about uh, what he had, what he has gone through since his birth. Seeing my attempts in that lonely place, the personality of Godhead, who is transcendental to all mundane description, spoke to me with gravity and pleasing words, just to mitigate my grief. Purport by Srila Prabhupada. In the Vedas, it is said that God is beyond the approach of mundane words and intelligence. And yet, by His causeless mercy, one can have suitable senses to hear Him or to speak to Him. This is the Lord's inconceivable energy. One upon whom His mercy is bestowed can hear Him. The Lord was much pleased with Narada Muni, and therefore the necessary strength was invested in him so that he could hear the Lord. It is not, however, possible for others to perceive directly the touch of the Lord during the probationary period of regulative devotional service. It was a special gift for Narada, and when he heard the pleasing words of the Lord, the feelings of separation were to some extent mitigated. 
A devotee in love with God feels always the pangs of separation and is therefore always enwrapped in, ex- in transcendental ecstasy. Om Jnana Timirandasya Jnana Salakaya Chakchurun Militam Jaina Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Shri Chaitanya Manobishtam Stapitam Jaina Bhutale Swayam Rupahakada Maya Dadati Swabhanantikam Bande Ham Shri Guru Shri Jutta Padakamalam Shri Gurun Vaishnavam Shri Rupam Sagrajatam Sahagana Raghunatan Vitam Tam Sajivam Sadvaitam Savadutam Parijana Sahitam Krishna Chaitanya Devam Shri Radha Krishna Padan Sahagana Lalita Shri Vishakan Vitam Scha He Krishna Karana Sindho Dinabando Jagatpade Gopesha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namostude Taptakanchana Gaurangi Radhe Vrindavaneshwari Vrishabhanu Sute Devi Pranamami Hari Priye Vanchakalpa Tarubhyascha Kripa Sindhu Vyevacha Patitanam Pavanebhyo Vaishnavebhyo Namo Jai Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sirvaita Karathar Shivasari Gaurabhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai, Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. This is a this is an interesting narration that Narada Muni is giving to Sri Vyasadeva about how he came to be here. First, uh, Narada Muni he says he describes that he was he was the son of a very poor maidservant who had no means to provide for him. So she was serving a group of exalted devotees of the Lord uh, during the rainy season when they could not travel, and during that time. For once, it is mentioned in the Bhagavatam that only once did the did those sages allow Narada Muni to take the remnants of their prasadam. And yet, uh, because of that, he was he was given great purification and great enlightenment. Uh, but you know, we so, sometimes we wonder. Well, how is it then that a great personality like this, who was a young boy, got the opportunity to, to serve those persons who were exalted Vaishnava devotees of the Lord. Uh, and why was it that at one time when his mother went to milk a cow, why was it she was bitten by a serpent, and as a result of that gave up her body, leaving him with no one to depend on? A father is, a father is not even mentioned. The father figure was not there. And these great sages, when it came time for uh, the rainy season to end, they left. And so Narada Muni was there as a young boy, maybe five years old, uh, left to fend for himself. 
And so he started traveling, and he traveled a, a great distance and went through different kinds of environments, even into a deep, dark forest, which were the playgrounds for, what was it said, jackals and snakes. And so it was a very dangerous place, and yet, uh, in his narration, he doesn't mention having been afraid or having uh, any concerns as, as to the, you know, the maintenance of his own body. So we would think that he is a very unfortunate person. And so uh, the, the topic that I would like to address today is, whose fault is it anyway? So when Narada's mother was taken by the snake bite and then the holy men left, he became totally dependent on, I'm not sure he knew who exactly, unless he had heard from these holy persons whom he had been serving with his mother. And so anyhow, he just, he just took off and started walking. And finally he came to a banyan tree and he sat down and in, in meditation, uh, uh, was trying to reach the Supreme Lord, and he was successful. The Lord actually came to him and gave him a view of himself. But when Narada, uh, you know, when he came back to his consciousness and realized that the Lord was gone, he became very disturbed. So whose fault was it then that Narada finds himself in this position of having nobody in this earthly planet who can look after him? He's just right by himself. Uh, could we blame it on his on his mother uh, that she was not she had not made any provisions for him? Could we blame it on the sages w- who were there visiting, uh, spending the uh, the rainy season? Uh, you would think that persons who were saintly would have asked about the welfare of this boy. Obviously, I would say, obviously, apparently, they knew that his mother had given up her body and was there by himself. He was there by himself. And so Narada does not blame anyone in his narration to Srila Vyasadeva. He does not blame anyone. He just takes it as, as uh, you know, something that happened by fate. His mother being bitten by the snake, a mother who, on whom he was dependent for everything, and this was taken away from him. But he just, and he doesn't, he doesn't complain about not having a, a regular place to sleep, about having proper food to eat, about having someone to look after his clothing and, and uh, to keep him warm in the cold weather. Or when he was traveling to the mountains, he doesn't, you don't read that he's complained about any of these things. He just took this as something that was coming to him uh, from the Supreme Lord. And because of his attitude then, because of his desire to uh, experience the Supreme Lord, uh, the Supreme Lord uh, agreed and he came to him. We we have examples like uh, the, uh, similar to this of other people who uh, were who, who were treated very wrongfully uh, in the Bhagavatam. We we remember Ambarish Maharaj, who was a great Rajrishi, means he's a, he's he's a he's a, not only a king, but he's also a very saintly king. And yet, uh, one time he was performing a year-long fast year-long fast without eating or drinking 
And at the end of that time, as it was approaching, then he, he made some preparations for some, to have something to eat, something to drink. But about that time, a person who, is a, who has a little bit of a bad reputation at times is Devrasamuni. And he came to Ambarish Maharaj and told him that he wanted to eat. And so Maharaj off, gladly offered him uh, a nice feast. But he said, before I take this, though, I need to go and go down to the river and take my bath. And so while he was gone, the time was approaching uh, for Ambarish Maharaj to end his fast. And if he did not end it on time, just like when we fast on Ekadasi or Ekadasi, uh, that there is a, a time, a certain time period in the next day uh, in which, during which we're supposed to end the fast in order to be able to get the full benefit. So, so uh, Ambarish Maharaj was really concerned that he was, might lose all the benefits of the fast. Well, Devasamuni knew all these things because he was a mystic. And in, instead of saying, uh, please go ahead and take your, take your uh, you know, take some prasadam so that you can end your fast, and I'll come back a little bit later and you can, you can serve me then if you, if you wish. But he didn't do that. Instead, he came back, and Ambarish Maharaj had been told by his counselors that, you know, you, you don't have to worry about taking prasadam before Devasamuni, just, just sip a little water. Because taking water is, is fasting, and it's also not fasting. It's considered to be either. So he, he then took a little water, and, and very shortly thereafter, Devasamuni came back and accused him of, of all kinds of things for not properly respecting, not showing the proper etiquette to a saintly person like himself. And just because Maharaj Amrish had taken a sip of water. So he was cursed by Devarsamuni. Devarsamuni created this demoniac personality by, I think, if I remember correctly, snatched the hair out of the top of his head and threw it down, and there sprang up this gigantic demoniac personality who was very, very fearful. And he was coming toward Maharaj Amrish to kill him. So Maharaj, instead of countering the curse or taking some action against Devasamuni, uh, he recognized him as being his superior. So he just accepted that, well, this is what Krishna desires. This is what the Lord desires. If he desires for me to give up my body at this time, then why should I take any action against it? I'll go back to the spiritual world. And so, and so he just simply, with folded hands, met the demon coming on. But he got some help. And what was that help? Anybody remember? Chaitanya Chandra Prabhu has said that uh, Krishna realized that, you know, his devotee was in trouble, so he sent his Sudarshan Chakra to, and he, it killed the demon, and it also began to chase after Dravasamuni. And Dravasamuni went everywhere, all over, trying to find someone to give him shelter. Lord Shiva could not give him shelter. Lord Brahma could not. And he even went to the Vaikuntha planets. This is how powerful he was. And asked for Lord Vishnu to give him shelter from this Sudarshan Chakra. 
And, and Lord Vishnu told him, I can't, I'm sorry, but you have offended my devotee. So, so Devasamuni uh, then took the advice of Lord Vishnu and came back to where Ambarish Maharaj was and uh, offered his obeisances and his apology for his offense. And, and uh, Ambarish, Prabhu, Ambarish Maharaj was very much uh, ashamed or embarrassed by this great personality offering him obeisances. He, was, he, he apologized for causing Durasamuni to be put into such a precarious position. He didn't want to see him suffer. So this is the way of a saintly person in taking, instead of taking uh, disasters that come to one, uh, and 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 uh, and putting the blame on somebody else, and and then taking some action against that person or the situation that caused uh, one to have to suffer. Uh, this uh, we can see by the uh, the the, uh, uh, the example of Ambarish Maharaj. What a what a real Vaishnava devotee the Lord does. He just accepts it. Uh, we also remember that. Uh, uh, Parikshit Maharaj did, did a very similar thing, even even though because he was out hunting and and he went in, he came he became very hungry and thirsty, and he came into the ashram of a of, of an exalted Vaishnava, and who was in trance at the time, and he did not stand up to receive the king Parikshit. So by Krishna's internal potency, he allowed Parikshit Maharaj to become a little angry. So when he, when he left the ashram, he found a dead snake and he brought it back and put it around the neck of this sage whose ashram it was. And uh, the sage still had not come out of his trance. But the, remember the son, the little boy, there was a son of the sage. He was also very powerful. And he, what was his name? Shringi. And he cursed Parikshit Maharaj to die in seven days for having uh, disrespected his father. And his father then came back to consciousness and then realized what his son had done. And he was, he was, he was, uh, he, you know, in a great state of anxiety because this is the emperor of the world, a great saintly king, Parikshit Maharaj, the grandson of Sri Arjuna, the son of of Abhimanyu. And so, he, he, so what what is the world going to do without a king? But anyhow, Parikshit Maharaj didn't. He, of course, when he found out about the curse, he didn't blame Shringi. Uh, he, he regretted what he had done, but you know, what Ambarish, I'm sorry, what uh, Parikshit Maharaj, he, he regretted what he himself had done to the sage, uh, but he did not take any action. He decided, if this is the will of the Lord, then I will just accept it. So then he gave up his kingdom. He gave up the, in the entire world. And all of the opulences that go with it, and the power and the prestige, and he just went to the bank of the river and sat down to wait until the snake bird came to take his life. So this is another thing. And then, the, then the last example I wanted to mention is Parad Maharaj. Parad is a young boy, you know, was persecuted heavily by his father, who couldn't tolerate the fact that his son had taken to the camp of the enemy. Lord Vishnu. 
So Prahlad Maharaj, instead of instead of uh, you know becoming angry at his father or any, or leaving or anything, he tr- he tried to help his father understand that uh, you have no enemies, Father. Lord Vishnu is not your enemy. But the father was asking, "Where do you get your power, Prahlad?" And Prahlad said, "From the same place you get your power, Father." And and so um so he, he he tried to help his father to understand, and then of course we understand that uh, when he, after several attempts to kill this young boy, uh, the father Hiranyakashipu took up his sword and was ready to kill him himself, and and he said, "Where is your Vishnu now? Is he here? Is he here? Is he in this column here?" And when he struck the column, what happened? The column broke open, and out comes this amazing figure. And Hiranyakashipu was so taken aback by it that he just kind of stood and looked at this. He said, who is this personality? What kind of person is this? Half lion, half man. And so eventually then, Lord Nrsinghadev, he came. Krishna advented himself just to protect this one little devotee. Isn't that amazing? Some people ask, well, of all the Dasa avatars, you know, the ten avatars of Lord, of Lord Vishnu, they say, <clears throat> why, did, why is it that we have a picture of Lord Nrsinghadev on our altar? And, of course, the answer is because look at what he's done. He came solely. He, he, he made an appearance in this unusual form, half lion, half man, just to protect this one little kid. Isn't that amazing? Now that's the kind of love that uh, Krishna has for his devotees. Go Brahmane Tayacha. So Krishna loves and protects the cows and the Brahmanas. So even though uh, Prahlad was being persecuted, he refused to blame his father, and instead, uh, whenever the father, whenever Lord Nirsingadev killed Hiranyakashipu, uh, he gave. He asked. He asked uh, Prahlad, You know, take take a blessing. What what can I do for you? And the only thing he would ask was what? Please forgive my father. So this is this is the attitude that a devotee has when he finds himself. Uh, confronting a difficulty. And in the present age, like today, uh, during the past year since we've been able to s- sit here and, 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 and present a, a Srimad Bhagavatam discourse, <clears throat> during this time, worldwide, <clears throat> it is said that over 500 million people, 500,000, 500,000 people is that correct? Have given up their bodies due to this COVID-19. 500,000 people worldwide. I think that's correct. Does anybody know that that's correct or not? Anyhow, so, the, you know, we, some, some people could say, well, you know, this is it's just, uh, this just an act of nature. There's no cause for it. There's no reason for it. Um, and everybody is being affected by it. But is that true? No, everybody is not being affected by it equally. Uh, For those who are not devotees of the Lord, 
uh, we understand that that they're just receiving their reactions through the material energy of the Lord. In other words, karma. They have performed some activities in the past, and they don't know why they're having to suffer. But then there are others who are in the same place with uh, with a person who has COVID-19, and they don't get affected by it. I have a son like that. His wife uh, became infected by it. I'm talking about Shabby and, and my son, Andrew. And, and she became uh, affected by it, and it last went on for several weeks. <clears throat> Finally, she came out of it. But he was with her the whole time in the house. He's working from home, like many people do. <clears throat> and he, he never tested positive for COVID-19. So some people, and, and, but, and let's take, there, there are persons who actually benefit from COVID-19, like the big pharmaceuticals, those who are preparing hundreds of millions of vaccines for people to take, to get over. Those companies, are, they have to be doing quite well financially. And the people who work with the companies have to be doing quite well. So they they see no reason to blame the the vaccine for um, I mean the uh, the illness for anything that's happening to them because they simply haven't gotten it. So um, now that's for persons who are not devotees of the Lord. Persons who are devotees of the Lord, we know that some devotees have actually given up their bodies. Uh, we have a, a friend in London, Maharishi Prabhu, whose father. Uh, passed away from COVID-19. And uh, Maharishi himself was in, in the hospital for something like 10 weeks. And so, you know, he was affected. But other, other people are simply not affected. So how does a devotee take that? <clears throat> Even when a devotee receives harsh treatment by other devotees or by other people, he doesn't strike back. And he doesn't say, you're the cause of my suffering. He says, all right, Krishna, you're sending this to me by one of your own. And it's something that I have done wrong, and you're helping to purify me. Because we understand that devotees don't suffer karma. Karma is limited to those who are under the auspices of the material energy of the Lord. But Krishna himself can allow us to suffer something, some minor something or other that, uh, that we, because of something we've done in the past. And we understand that's the difference between a devotee of the Lord and one who's not a devotee of the Lord, that the devotee accepts whatever comes to him in the form of any kind of suffering as a, as a gift from the Supreme Lord a benediction from the Supreme Lord, and especially if it comes from another devotee. We've heard it said that uh, the chastisement one receives from a devotee, or even if a, if a devotee strikes you or cuts you, you're not to take any action against them. Have you heard that before? Even if, even if, the, if your, a devotee cuts you, you're not supposed to take any action against that person. But rather, you're supposed to stand there with your hands together and offer your respects to that devotee. Is that easy to do? No. No, not at all easy to do. When somebody is up in your face 
about something or somebody slugs you you know with their fist or something how can you not take action against them it takes a it takes an advanced devotee to be able to handle that properly so the devotee understands the source of his suffering and he refuses to blame others for the reactions that he's having to take now you can you you may be thinking about somebody who has not been quite to that point of advancement that they could actually accept it that that chastisement that pain that someone else has caused they cannot just accept it but a, a, a devotee who is a little bit advanced accepts that suffering as purification and enlightenment and so even though that's a very difficult position to get to we see that all of these great personalities, Narada Muni, Ambarish Maharaj, Prahlad Maharaj, uh, Parikshit Maharaj, all of these great exalted persons uh, were, were caused to suffer by something beyond themselves, at least as far as they knew. They were devotees of the Lord, so they knew that they were not under the laws of Krishna's material energy. They were receiving their punishments or their reactions directly from Krishna. And we, we, we understand that Krishna minimizes the suffering that a devotee has to go through. So um, the, the takeaway then for the verse that we've read today is um, that Narada Muni uh, has set the example uh, Prahlad Maharaj has set the example, Parikshit Maharaj, Ambarish Maharaj, they've all set the example for those of us who are not so at far along the path of devotion, so that we will have somebody to look at. And in today's society, if, if someone uh, causes us uh, grief, even if he's a non-devotee, we still accept that as something that the Lord is arranging for our purification. So um, I think we will stop here and ask if anyone has comments or questions, please. Okay, yes, Chaitanya Chandra. That's a very good question. Uh, Chaitanya Chandrababu, for those of you who are listening in, uh, Chaitanya Chandrababu is, is, is mentioning that uh, in our society today, some people get abused and then others take legal action to try to mitigate the suffering they've had to go through. Uh, j- just like we're hearing about this, this uh, African-American man who had a, a police officer put his knee on his neck while he's on the ground and it actually killed 
kill the man. And so what, what, do we, what do we do as devotees in a case like that? What, what, do, what, what do you say? What do we recommend that happens? How do we think about uh, the abuse that goes on in the society, the greater society, not necessarily ISKCON society, but outside of even in ISKCON, uh, there are times when uh, when action has to be taken, <clears throat> and generally um, that is done by the persons who are in the position of management. Uh, just like it is said that uh, you know an ordinary person cannot just go out and kill someone because you don't like what he's doing, but a policeman can, and can and generally can can uh, can it, the ruling is made that he's acting in his position as a law enforcement officer, and he has to do that to protect the rest of society. So we understand that there are civil laws that our our society, the whole society, has to, has to abide by. And if they don't abide by it, then it is the duty of those who are in positions of, of administrative power to take action against them so that society is not uh, in an uproar by a bunch of uh, hoodlums running loose, you know, causing disturbance to other people. And even in even in a devotional community, <clears throat> uh, generally there is a there's some kind of a, a council, a temple council, uh, that can uh, discuss uh, something that is happening and is causing distress to devotees or to a devotee in the community. And the temple president also; those persons are empowered, and they're expected to take certain action. <clears throat> but uh, as far as I'm concerned, it's not up to me to decide whether this person, who is the object of scrutiny, should should be uh, should be punished, and how much she, she should be punished, because there are others who are in the position of doing that. So it's not that I have to decide for myself. I'm going to punish this guy because nobody's doing anything about it. <clears throat> but that is not my position. My my position is is to you know do other things. I'm not in the position that. But somebody has to take the responsibility for seeing that the community is safe. Seeing that the community, that the temple is kept clean and orderly, see that the, their lordships on the altar are being provided for nicely, and that they're being treated with a great deal of respect. And, they, and those persons that have to do that, then, are also the ones that have to make the decision what kind of punishment, if any, this other person needs, or does, should this person be banned from the community? <clears throat> So there, sometimes that uh, other people in the community say, well, the temple council is not doing its job. 
the temple president is not doing his job. The temple vice president, I mean, they can make those kinds of, of claims because uh, they don't see happening what they want to see happening. In other words, if they think that a person should suffer for what he's done, they have a, a certain amount of suffering in mind that this person ha- should have to undergo. But if the temple council or the temple president or Srila Prabhupada, for example, when he was president on the planet, if he makes the decision, no, this is not to happen to this person. He's not to be banned from the community. Then, uh, then it's not for me to decide that I'm going to see to it that this person gets punished. That's not my position. Pardon? React like what? Even though it's not their responsibility, they feel like they, they have to do something about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Chaitanya Chandra Prabhu says that even though uh, people, it, it's not their responsibility, still they act as though it is their responsibility, and so they try to force some type of, of change in behavior. Leadership, Chaitanya Chandra Prabhu is saying it's it partly due to the fact that the leadership is not powerful enough. It's not taking. Well, you know, there's a. Yeah, that's true. You can get away with anything, Chaitanya Chandra Prabhu is saying, if you have money and you can get a lawyer. <clears throat> but as far as, as my position in the temple community is concerned, um, I, d- I don't really think it's m- my position to say that our, our temple president is not doing his job properly or that the temple council is not doing their job properly. Um, I don't, I don't feel that it is my point. If I have some suggestions to make how things can be improved, then, uh, then I think it would, it would be nice if, if somebody was willing to listen to what my suggestions were. But if, even after hearing my point of view, if there's, that decision is not made to change things, in other words, if my desire for retribution on a person that has caused me some problems or caused somebody else's problem. If, if that amount of retribution that person is having to suffer is, is not according to my point of view, then I think it's not my position to say to our, our governing council, temple council, or the temple president, that you're not doing your job. Yeah, I can go with them and talk with them and say, uh, what about this, what about this, what about this? And I can listen to what they have to say. But as far as making the decision on my own that, uh, that the, these persons are, are not doing their job adequately, I can't even really say that about our country's presidents. There may be things that I want our country to, to be able to do that our president is not behind, is not promoting that. 
Uh, but still, uh, what, what, is, what use is it that I should talk? Here, here's my point that uh, we're getting, everybody gets exactly what he deserves. It gets exactly what he deserves, no more and no less. If we think otherwise, then we have to admit that there is no God or that this God is not powerful enough to do what is correct or he's malicious, he's malevolent, and he doesn't mind making a so-called innocent person have to suffer. So any suffering that comes to me, I accept that as my due. I'm getting my due. This is my just rewards for what I've done in the past or something that I've done in recent times even. And it is not, it is not up to me to say to the temple president, this person over here has not suffered enough yet. I, don't think you've, I, I think you should kick that person out of the community. Or I think I think you should uh, you know should take some other kind of action. You should get the governing body commission involved, the North American GBC involved. Uh, I I don't I don't think that's my position. I can go and talk with our temple president or talk with any of the council persons and say you know I don't understand why this person is getting off so light. Why is this person still in the community? And if they explain to me why that person has suffered enough then I should, I should just be satisfied with that. And if I'm not satisfied with it, maybe I should just keep my big fat mouth shut. <laughs> you, know, you can't tell people that kind of stuff. Huh? You can't tell people that because... You can't tell who what? Chaitanya Chandra Prabhu is saying uh, that the people in society generally don't know how to act. They don't know how to act toward other people. Uh, Parichit Maharaj knew how to act. And even though he was cursed by this boy, Sringi, uh, he didn't say, oh, you little nonsense. You know, what do you know? What do you, what do you mean saying something about me? I'll counter your curse. I'll show you how powerful I am. He could have done that. He's emperor of the world. And instead... Yeah, he felt, well, I'm getting, I'm getting my just desserts. I made an offense to... Yeah. And so by doing that, by acting in the way that he did, he's really setting an example for us, isn't he? How not to act toward a saintly person. Like you don't, you don't defame a saintly person by putting a dead snake around their neck if they don't happen to come out of trance and, and welcome you into their humble ashram.
suggested that we do and what you try to order, actually what you try to order every human being in society to accept Krishna consciousness and to spread Krishna consciousness. So it's our humble duty as little teeny, whatever we can do, you know, help try and teach somebody to chant Hare Krishna and distribute proper books. So at least on some level, you know, there's some kind of education. We're trying to like, you know, put drops of education here and there proper give proper mercy out to other people. Because the people actually if, they, if people actually learn how to react, they could be a lot more happy and peaceful, right? If they learn how to react properly. If people follow the President of the United States, he doesn't know how to react properly himself. He almost starts a revolution. Got five people or six people killed. And he doesn't even have to pay for it. It's totally crazy, right? You got this big guy and he's like causing all these problems and killing people and then he's not even help as possible. So that's, that's the example we're getting here in this country, is that we're not accountable. We can do crazy stuff and get away with it. So Chaitanya Chandra Prabhu is saying, saying that the solution to the problem then is education of the people in general. Uh, because otherwise, without that education, people don't know what is the proper thing to do. Krishna conscious education. Krishna conscious education. So... Yeah, well, yeah, but, but of course we we think that Krishna conscious education is the best kind of education, because it actually helps solve the problems that people have, especially getting along with each other, uh, making the world a peaceful place to be. But, but there is something that we can do. That seems like a, you know a pretty big thing. But like Chaitanya Chandra was saying, if we just educate people a little bit, you know, whatever opportunities that we have to give some knowledge to people, so that their lives will become better, hand them a book uh, and say, "Read this. Read this. You're suffering now, so here's something that can mitigate your suffering." Uh, that much we can do. We can, and I try to in in the back of my van as as I, I'm thought, trying to follow the uh, example of other people. Keep keep books with you at all time, because you never know when the opportunity is going to come. In other words, it's not like you have to go looking for people to give the books to. When Krishna is ready for someone to receive books or receive this knowledge. Uh, he'll bring them to you or bring them to someone that will give him a piece of literature. Isn't that the way we came? 1973, June 13, I was on the streets of Knoxville, Tennessee, and I came across a group of young fellows that were dressed strangely and chanting something, and I didn't know what it was. And one of them came up and gave me a book and said, read the book. So I gave him a donation, and I took the book, and I went away. And here I am today. <laughs> so we, we, just, we, just, we never know, we never know uh, uh, when uh, that opportunity is going to come to us. So it's good to keep some literature handy. And Ben Srila Prabhupada said that also, didn't he? He said, what good is your two or three minutes of talking? He said, put a book in their hands. And nowadays, it doesn't seem like people are reading as much as perhaps they did at some times in the past. <clears throat> but if they find something that is interesting reading, if they're ready to receive that knowledge, then that book will find them.
So we don't have to we don't have to go out and try so hard. You know, some some of us don't mind doing that, going out and distributing books. Uh, I've never been that way, but I I can put a hand a book in the hands of somebody that I'm talking to, if I find somebody that shows the slightest inclination towards spiritual life or in, inquisitiveness, you can you can put a book in the hand. Um, one, again, the main point that I'm trying to present today is that um, we should not blame others for what happens to us, just as we should not take credit for all the good stuff that comes our way. You know, if we come into money or we come in a possession of land or vehicles or, or whatever positions in society, uh, we should not think that this is coming of my own efforts. I'm, I'm the one that has brought this about. Nor should we look at the difficulties that come to us as being uh, somebody else's fault. Even though it might appear to be somebody else's fault, it is not their fault. All right. Thank you very much for being here, everybody. Srimad Bhagavatam ki jai, Shil Prabhupada ki jai, Shishi Radha Kalachanjidam ki jai, Gora Premananda, Hari Hari Bo, Vanchakalpata Rubisha, Kripasanibi Evacha, Patitanam Bhavanibyo, Vaishnavibyo Namonama, Anantakuti Vaishnavrinda ki jai, Hare Krishna.